0: Come on, church! Give a praise. To Nehemiah chapter 4, and this is the next to last sermon on the series we've been doing in Ezra and Nehemiah. And today I want to talk about leadership during crisis. You know, problems are seldom solved without leadership and then a plan of action. Consider the steps in planning what would seem to be a simple fellowship dinner like we're having today. Consider. Y'all are laughing because today we're having our Thanksgiving dinner, but we only part of us thought it was today. The other part it was written as last week. Seems like a simple task. But we, we have ways as human beings to mess that up. Somebody say amen. amen. But, you know, if we think about it for a moment, what kind of dinner uh, are we going to have unless... We take leadership to plan one. Hello? Uh, We have to have someone who is going to relay the details. Uh, And without good leadership, (laughs) our fellowship dinner is in jeopardy. Hey, I wrote these notes here uh, a week ago. Come on now. Amen. Is that prophetic or what? (laughs) Nehemiah had a much greater task than just a dinner to organize. The people Nehemiah was to lead were discouraged people. The walls surrounding Jerusalem had been destroyed. We've been talking about that for several weeks. But God had prepared Nehemiah, a leader. He had had been the cupbearer to the king. He had seen many tough decisions made by the king. His skills were at dealing with people Uh, He knew how to deal with people. He'd been honed as he dealt with strong personalities that were surrounding those in the palace. And beyond all of this, he knew that God had called him to this task to help rebuild the wall. He knew and understood he had a call upon his life. And you know, you and I as believers need to know and understand God has called us all to be leaders, to show leadership. You know, we're leaders in our homes first and foremost. And we're also to be leaders in the church of God. Somebody help me now. Brother brother Ronald, I appreciate that. He's given me an amen there. God's called us all to be leaders, but leadership is very important during times of crisis. Anybody ever here ever deal with crisis? Yeah. Amen. Oh, maybe you're in one now. If you're not, you'll probably be in one soon. If you're walking with God, somebody said, I thought if I walked with God, I wouldn't have all these problems. No, you walk with God, you're going to have a lot more. Amen. What we're going to get today from these Scriptures, and I hope you get it strongly as I do, is that God takes the examples He's given us in His Word, and, and He makes it real to the day you and I live in. Yes, we're, we're going back over 2,000 years to read this story. A real event with real people. But it applies to us today. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to be here before Your people this morning. What a great privilege it is, Lord, to address Your church, the people of God. (coughs) Father, in and of myself, I cannot communicate Your Word, but I ask for Your anointing to be upon every ear to hear, every heart to receive, Lord. Help us, Lord, where we need help. Let your word be alive in us today. Lord, we know your word is alive, but let it penetrate into our lives and change us where we need change. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Strengthen us where we need strength. And guide us, Lord, where we need guidance. Father, I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Leadership during crisis. We'll see, number one, we have to devise an effective strategy. In chapter 4, verse 1 of Nehemiah, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. He was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews. You know, when you serve God, you live for Him, you do what God calls you to do, you do what God has given you a task and hand to do in your own life, and that is namely chiefly to live for Him, to walk with Him, to be His mouthpiece, to be His spokesman to a lost world, you're going to have those who will ridicule you. You're going to have those who are going to mock you. You're going to have those who are not going to like what you do and how you live. It's just that way. And let's get real for a moment Though we're in the world, we're not of the world any longer. We've come out of that darkness. We're living now in the light of God. And we're walking a 180 degree difference than the world is when we're walking with God. And you have an enemy. How many know that? Amen. You have an enemy spiritually. And he is going to put his foot on the gas, so to speak, coming after you. Now, why do you say that, preacher? Because you're trying to scare us? No, I'm not. You you will win victory after victory over Him as you walk with God and you lean upon God and you apply His Word to your life. He is of no consequence. But He will attack you. And the beautiful thing about the fact that you're going to be attacked is God will use those attacks to teach you how to overcome. Opposition to teach you how to be a leader, because he is preparing you. Everyone here that names the name of Christ, he is preparing you for a future in his kingdom. So says I don't know why I have to go through all this, and and I don't know why I have to have one crisis after another in my life, because he's preparing you for a work that you presently cannot see. You don't know what he's doing. All you see is what's on your plate, and it doesn't look good. It looks difficult. It's like Lord, what's happening here? I don't understand. The more I seem to pray, the more I come under attack. Well, God's preparing you for a great work. What's the scripture saying? Rejoice when you fall into diverse t- trials and tests. Come on now, rejoice! The trial of your faith is just going to make you even stronger. Amen. Somebody said, "How?" No. Are you going through something right now in your life? Well, are you going through it? Well, God's just working on you harder to get you stronger because Because He has a great thing ahead for you in the future. Nothing is wasted in God. I don't understand why. Well, that's what the devil wants you to stay in that mode. He doesn't want you to see what, what he's doing. But I like the fact that when they were attacked, look at verse 14. I love this Nehemiah. What a man of faith. What a man of, of God. What a man who had been prepared, think about it for a minute, taken out of Jerusalem as a slave to serve the king as a cupbearer. Can you imagine what he would have went through and is like, why in the world am I in this place? I'm from Jerusalem. Originally, I served the Lord in Jerusalem and now I'm in this. And I'm serving a pagan king Why is that what I was destined for God said and would have said if, if we would have heard the conversation I'm preparing you son for something greater now as we read in our sermon last few sermons God was preparing Nehemiah to take action remember that last week he was preparing him and he did take action. Now, here he is in Jerusalem, Nehemiah that is, and he's running up against the problem. The people are totally discouraged and they're being opposed by Sanballat and his people. The people around them were uh, trying to stop and hinder them from doing the work of God. Sound familiar? Look at verse 14. And I, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. See, the enemy uses fear as his major weapon against your life. Jesus, when He talked to His disciples, always said what? Fear not. Fear not. Fear is a big weapon. We're afraid of what we don't know or understand. Fear. But He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. There's your key if you're taking those right there. Remember the Lord." I don't know what's going to happen now. I'm going to go down or this isn't going to work or this isn't happening. Fear not. Remember the Lord. How many have had victories in their life? How many have had God show up and do something for you? Don't forget that. Remember the Lord. He's telling Israel, remember the Lord. It's the same One that brought you through the Red Sea. The same One that defeated your enemies time and time again. The same One, though He punished us for our sin, He brought us back to rebuild the temple. Remember the Lord. He's on our side. If God be for you, who can be against you? No one. Remember the Lord. He says here, He is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. He's encouraging the people. Don't give up. Don't succumb to fear. Put up a fight. What is Paul saying that he did it? Fight the good fight of faith. See, the enemy's gunning for your faith to try to get you to step out of faith, into fear, and away from God. And then he wins and you lose. No, no. Keep doing what you know to do is right. You say, I don't have no victory over. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep looking to the Lord. He'll bring you the victory. Amen. Fight for your home. Why? The enemy's coming after your home. The enemy's trying to destroy your marriage, sir. The enemy's trying to destroy your children, man. The enemy's trying to break up your. He's trying to bring ungodliness to you. Fight for your home. Somebody say amen in this place. Come on, man. Put up a fight. God is in your. He's on your side. He's called you. He's chosen you. You belong to Him. He wants to to bring discord. He wants to bring uh, soul trouble in your home. He wants to get your eye off of God. He wants to bring you out of faith and into fear. But encourage it. Do like Nehemiah says, get your mind on the Lord. Get your mind on Him. Remember the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to His own work. See, as long as you're nullified by fear, you can't serve God and live for Him. You're just running around chasing your own town. Who wins? The devil? The enemy. You're caught up in the whatever he's got you caught up in. Oh, I'm just... You know, you can't see nothing. You can't see the forest for the trees, because you. No, God says, man. Once you get wind of what He's doing to you, or in your home, or in the church, or wherever it's at, wherever there's a crisis, whenever there's a crisis, when when you understand, oh, oh, I see what's going on. The enemy's frustrated. He can't do nothing with that. That's it, brother. He can't do nothing. He can't hurt you when you say, "Oh, I ain't playing your game." <laughs> what happens is we get caught up, then all of a sudden we start believing the lies, and we start hearing, and then we start spouting off all this, and what happened? we just start destroying everything around. Come on, come on. Man, I ain't playing that game. I'm a child of the king. Hallelujah. I'm here to represent Jesus Christ. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to live like it. Amen. And I'm going to walk and talk like it. Glory to God. And devil, you just might to go find, find somebody else to mess with. What's that scripture say? The devil walketh around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Your adversary. They were trying to devour the children of Israel as they were building the wall. They are going to try to devour you as you're living for God and serving Him. I'm not, I <laughs> I'm not going to be devil's food. I'm not going to be devil's food cake for the devil. <laughs> I'm going to be angel food. Hallelujah. I'm going to live for God. Amen. That was a bad illustration. Forgive me, Lord. We have an enemy, an adversary. God wants to raise up leadership <laughs> in those times. He wants you to be leadership. How do we show leadership? We hold our head up high. We throw our shoulders back. We speak the Word of God. We pray over those that the enemy is attacking around us. And we show the example. Amen. We set the tone. This is how we need to be. And we don't come uncomposed and fall apart. Verse 16, From that day on, half of my men... Now look, look at this here. Here's your key. Write this down. Your key to victory. Half my men did the work. What is that? Building a wall. While the other half, can you imagine brick and mortar, right? Got the trowel in one hand, got the seamen in the other, and lay, they're laying the stone. Come on. Half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and arrows. They had an M- M-16 or an AR-15 in the hand. Come on now. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. So what am I going to do then? What is that telling me? Church, come on. That tells me I'm going to live for God. I'm going to work for Him. I'm going to do the work He called me to do. Amen. But i got a gun pointing at the enemy at all times. I'm ready. If you're going to mess with me, you're going to get hit with it. Why? Because I'm in a battle. I'm in a struggle. You're in a struggle. Your adversary is looking to devour you. He's looking to, to mess with you. He's looking to stop and or fork what God wants to do in and through your life. But the weapons of our warfare, somebody shout, come on, they're not car. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know people come to me on the wow, oh, you don't know what's happening. This is gonna go down. No, that's not what the Bible says. You gotta cast that imagination down and pick up this word. You're gonna believe it. I'm gonna believe this before I believe you. Hello? That's it. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I'm just going down for the No, that's not what this book says. Now, if you want to go down, go ahead and go down. That's on you. But you don't have to. Amen. Stand there. Like, like Paul said in Ephesians, girt. Girt for battle. Amen. Girt it about. Put on the armor of God. Take it to the enemy. Don't just be a punching bag. Somebody say amen. Spiritually, you do the punching. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to do the building. You know, you and I are co-laborers with Him building the church. Not tearing it down. Building it. Hallelujah. We take one block at a time. He is the one that provides the material and you and I just co-labor alongside with Him. He's building, but we're helping. Amen. The enemy wants to thwart that. But God said to Nehemiah, here's your plan. Prepare for that adversary. He caught you flat-footed one time. Oh, he's getting ready to preach now. But he don't have to catch you flat-footed again. That's it. Some folks say, oh, they keep having the same trouble over and over again. Same problem over and over again. What, what, what's wrong? Hadn't applied this, have we? Hadn't applied it. Hadn't taken up arms. Man, if I could just walk over to you and punch you in the face, and I just keep doing that, and you just keep getting hit. Something wrong with Somebody. Well, something wrong with me if I did that, Amen. (laughs) But the illustration means if you stand there with a loaded gun, I don't think I'm walking up to you and punching you in the face. Hello, nothing wrong with defending yourself. Now, I'm not talking about shooting people. Don't believe out of here and think that the preacher nonsense. We need to. I'm talking about spiritual matters, and I believe you know what I'm talking about, Amen. We need to be prepared for the adversary. Number two, we're to solve internal disputes if we're a leader. Amen? And during crisis, leaders solve disputes. Look at chapter 5. And we're going to look at 4, 5, and 6 here today. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll close out Nehemiah. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Okay, here were some problems going on within, within. The church, so to speak. And I said, well, the church didn't exist. No, it was Israel. And, but we do have the same problems today because human nature hasn't changed. Verse 6, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. You know, there is something called righteous indignation. And what the Israelites were doing was one group or one uh, a group of people, the leadership in particular, were... Forming uh, monopolies and deals and they were taxing the people and taking things away from them and they were misusing their more unfortunate brothers who didn't have the same resources they were taking advantage of them and overtaxing them and Nehemiah, like, wait a minute, this isn't right do you know that's what's happening in the world we're living in today and the country we're in today and the devil don't change his tactics you know, the rich get richer and the you know, we got we got one, I mean, think about it for a moment. You're a real political passenger. I know, I hit everything, man. You got a whole group of people, Democrats, come on, running on a platform, <coughs> and you saw what, what happened this week at the college with the professor, uh, not allowing the free speech and all that stuff. So I mean, she wants to have her cake and eat it too. But they, these young kids today, they want... You to pay, and the government. These are these political politicians. They say, "Well, we'll we'll pay for your education, all sixteen years, man. Government will pay for it. We'll pay for your health care. We'll pay for we'll we'll pay for everything. They're lying to get your vote, and they're so bad that they're like, we'll leave the borders open." Now, if I'm lying, Lord can drop me right on the floor right now. I'm telling you the truth. We'll leave our borders open. Let the illegals come in, and we'll let them vote. And we'll we're gonna bring the Syrians in, and we're gonna put them on welfare. Now that's what they said they're gonna do, and they're doing it. A whole bunch of them landed in New Orleans yesterday. Am I, am I telling the truth, Dave? That's it, bro. They're not even born here. They don't even work. You know, I don't, I, don't, I worked 38 years for a company and paid taxes. Paid into a system. These are people who come from all over. They, they they don't even like you. No, that's right. They would kill you if they could. And yet, they're promised something. So, but but my point is, do you know there's nothing free? Nothing. Nothing is free. Somebody says, "Well, I went to church over here and I got a free." Uh, somebody bought it. Somebody yeah. gave it. Nothing's free. You said folk one time here and back that come just for the we call it they came for the cheese. You know, yeah. the government would give out free cheese yep. to churches, and we had people literally who would just come just to get the free cheese. They didn't care less about the word. Free. Nothing's free. If if the government wants to give you free education, who are they going to tax to get that money to pay for it? You. What was being spoken of here in Nehemiah's day? These people who were in charge decided we're going to rape these people financially because they can't do anything about it. The man of God got word, hello, and said this is going to stop. You know, socialism is evil, okay? Okay. But you know, I'm not going to let, because I said that in my sermon, I'm not going to let the Republicans get away with anything now. Come on. Unbridled capitalism leads to greed and immorality. And that's what we have today. You may have the socialists on the Democrat side, and you do, running that party. No question. He's in the White House right now. But... I remind you the uh, the time we had under uh, the Republican administration. Were you any better off? Now, I mean the days were better off, but yeah. same, old. same old devil. No matter who's in, it's Satan who controls to do what? To bring people into slavery. Jesus is here to bring us true freedom. Somebody say Amen. We, we belong to Him. We're talking about leadership during crisis. What did Nehemiah do when he heard of this injustice? Let's look at verse 7. I pondered them in my mind. He was angry, number one. And then he accused the nobles and the officials. Why? They They were doing what our nobles and officials are doing today. Same thing. And I told them, you're exacting this usury or tax from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. That's really what we need in America, but I don't believe America's going to turn around. Now hopefully it does, but I don't believe it will. I believe we'll move right into the time of the end. But we need to deal with these people. If we're going to have a country at all, something has to happen to stop the cycle that's going on right now. I believe it's the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's gotten... Out of hand to the point I've never seen a, a, a country run like it is now in my lifetime. This is outrageous. And that's what was happening here on a small, much smaller scale. But the man of God said, Hey, this is not gonna go on. Verse nine, I commanded, what are you do what you're doing is not right. Do you know there is a right and a wrong? Yes. There is a right and a wrong. To, to allow people who don't like us to just come into our country and give them our money, that's wrong. That's wrong. To go over and bomb their country and destabilize their leaders, do you know what? That's wrong. That's it, bro. Yeah. Now there's a lot of talk. I'm deviating now, but bear with me. You heard about France this weekend and the attack in the theater. Now, what was I want? Uh, let, let me tell you something. Nobody's telling you, okay? France, you have all these people changing their logo, Facebook to the flags and all that. That's a bunch of nonsense. Okay, France is reaping what it has sown. France is an ungodly nation. France has left Christ a long time ago. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus, and now they have become almost a Muslim country because of their long-standing immigration policies that we're implementing here under Obama giving them free everything. And I'll tell you what's happening. They, they have a, an American group singing in that theater where those some people were killed called the who? The Eagles of what? Death Metal. You think God plays games with stuff like that? Oh, it turned out to be death all right. And then our president gets on television. He won't say Islamic terrorism. ISIS, which is what it is. Why? Because he supports ISIS. He is ISIS. He is a terrorist in the White House. It's on the tape. I'm not changing it. Prove me wrong. You can't. It is what it is. So we have France. We have England. If you know England's history, same deal, socialism. Uh, We're going to do the wrong rather than the right. And now they're having trouble with this. Sweden over there, they're raping women left and right. And uh, it's coming here, church. Yes, It's coming here. And it just started yesterday when they started dropping them off in New Orleans. Yeah. Okay, and you, we're going to read what we've saw and this lovely new world order they're building it isn't very lovely and it isn't nothing new but it is prophesied and it will come <laughs> what did the man of God do in his day? look at verse 11 he said give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards their olive groves, their houses and also the usury or the taxation that you are charging them the hundredth part Part of the money, grain, and new wine, and the oil. So they were extracting everything from those people. Total socialism. Now how did Nehemiah, the man of God, get them to stop that? He had the backing of the Persian Empire. And if they didn't obey him, he'd bring troops in and just bust them right up. So they they smacked it. Man, we're going to do this. And Nehemiah was a leader during a time of crisis that the nation of Israel needed at that time. We need that here today in America, church. Amen. Come on now. But if we don't get it, we got a leader that's coming. Amen. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And that's who I'm looking for. I'm looking for Jesus. In order for leadership to be effective during crisis, we have to devise an effective strategy. Number two, solve the internal disputes and thirdly, and lastly, we need to maintain our focus. In chapter six, verse two, we see the enemy didn't let up; he didn't stop because they had some victories there. He didn't stop, and he won't stop on you. You'll have a victory. You ever been like that? I know I have. One week I'm I'm doing good and everything. I feel good. You know how your, your spirit is lifted. You're like glory to God. It's all right. I actually, don't mind being alive this week. Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, bam. You're like, oh, oh, this is going on. Now that's, oh. See, the enemy doesn't let up. He doesn't stop messing with you. It says here that Sanballat and that now another man named Gershom sent me this message. He was going to try to trick him. now. That is, Nehemiah. He said, come on out. Let us meet in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. They're going to try to assassinate Nehemiah. They said, well, this man's been effective. He's been effective in getting the children of Israel to focus on buildings. And we tried to stop him. We'll just take him out. We'll trick him, get him outside, and we'll assassinate him. Now you hear some people running for office today in America that have some pretty good ideas. Hello? They better watch out. There's some sand ballots out there gunning for them. And I mean that in a literal way. Better be careful. Better be ready. But if you're with the Lord, when they're gunning for you, you just turn back to the Lord and say, hey, He's my rear guard. The Lord's the one that's going to protect me. He's my shield and my strength. Hallelujah. But here, evidently, the Lord alerted Nehemiah to their scheme you know the Lord is able to give you wisdom for every situation you find yourself in he's able to bring revelation to your spirit as you walk with him don't go there, stay away from this he know that still small voice can lead and guide you and keep you out of trouble amen, don't go there and Nehemiah was, he was using that God given wisdom, amen, he said they're going to try to kill me Look at verse 3. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? He said, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. God's called me to this great task and I'm going to finish it. Why am I going to deal with you? You know, there are people we just don't need to deal with. Uh Oh, come on. There are people we don't need to associate with. They're just trying to drag you down. They're trying to bring you down. You know, first thing happens, you get in trouble, and you you know you start living for God, and them old buddies start coming around. Come on, man, let's go, let's go do this. Let's go have a few over here. You know, well, we you know that ain't always a good idea. Come on, I got a, a task at hand. I got some things I need to do. Glory to God. God's called me to build something. Uh, they were building a wall in Israel, but you and I are building a, a temple. That's a living wall, a living temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Look at verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Why was it completed? Because they maintained their focus on what God had called them to do. They didn't let up. And they, they were not to forget God. Now look at the outcome, verse 16. When all of our enemies heard about this, all of the surrounding nations were afraid, lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Oh, hallelujah. And that's how it is for us, church, you and I. When we serve God, when we live for Him, people will know, hey, God is in your life. God's moving through that person. Notice the fear of God was upon the nations. They were the very ones trying to stop them. You know that... It's in that, that it's a real historical event that took place 2500 years ago or so. It will happen again in Israel in the very near future. It's happening right now. All the nations and Zechariah says they'll all go against Jerusalem, and we see they have no friend in the UN. It used to be the United States, but no more. No more. See, they all condemn Israel. You see, and Israel's afraid. they they're made to be afraid, but yet. I think they have a, a, a man that's leadership. He's not afraid. Amen. Netanyahu just tell it like it is. He said, we're not going to split this state up. We're going, we're going to do what God told us to do. We're going, we're going to keep building our settlements. Hallelujah. everybody tell them, don't you build in Jerusalem. He said, I'm not listening to man. I'm not going to be afraid. You know, when nations they, uh, they say, we're going to drop an atomic bomb, a nuclear warhead on you, they're, not, they're going to say, hey, God is who we're going to maintain our focus on. And you know what? The Bible tells us in Ezekiel that when God does act in their defense in the very near future, that all nations are going to know that there is a God in heaven who stands up for His being. All nations are going to know. And that includes the United States. You don't play with God or His Word. His principles... Will still apply for us in our situation. You know, no one enjoys being in a crisis. But when believers rely upon God in times of crisis and we exercise our faith, we grow closer to Him. James described the benefits of crisis in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. The only reason Christians can count it all joy whenever we fall into diverse testings and trials, is that we know the end result. They can become perfect, as James says, and entire wanting or lacking nothing. God is just going to bless you. You ever heard that saying? When the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. Hallelujah. And that's a a fact, my friend. Just hold on. Hang in. And do what's right. Throughout trying circumstances, God is ready to give the wisdom that's needed so spiritual victory can be won in your life. Nehemiah understood this principle. He was prepared as a cupbearer. He was prepared well in advance in the Persian Empire. He clung to God with forces when the forces of evil arrayed themselves against Him. He prayed for guidance when decisions had to be made. His example is recorded in Scripture here to encourage and guide us in our lives. We may never lead a city like Nehemiah, but whatever measure of authority God does give us, we can still be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and just like Nehemiah, we can be used for God's glory. Let's stand this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we give You praise today. We worship and magnify You in this place. Lord, we thank You that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, we thank You that there's no temptation or trial that's taken us but such as common to man. We thank You, Lord, that You always calls us to have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we give You praise today. We thank You, Lord, for what You're doing in our lives. Father, move in us today, each one of us. Help us, O God. Lord, we give You praise. We thank You. Maybe you're going through trial today, my friend. I want you to take a moment of time. We're closing out, I promise. But I want you to take a moment of time and say, Lord, this is going on in my life and only You know what it is. This has been troubling me in my spirit. Lord, help me to have victory. Give me the victory, Lord. Help me to place my faith in You and trust You and apply the principles that are found in Your Word. I, I promise you, my friend, if you do that... My brother, and my sister, God will hold you up. He will bring you through. He will perfect His self in you. Lord, I just pray for each one here today. Strengthen your people, your church. Bless your people, Father. Lord, we thank You for what You're about to do. Lord, as we gather around the table, Lord, bless the food, uh, nourish it to each of our bodies. We thank You. This is thanksgiving, Lord. And we thank You for giving us of Your Spirit and of Your grace. Father, in Jesus' name. Let's close. As we close, sing that song. For He is Lord. Following in your praise, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence here with us. In Jesus' name, everyone said.